0: Good morning, Good morning Craig. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Craig, I'm one of the pastors here at Life and uh, on behalf of all those who attend Life, we want, if you're new here and you're visiting, we want to welcome you and to all of those of you who continue to call Life Community your home, we're glad you're here and we thank you for your continued support. Now we've been going through the Old Testament book of Habakkuk. And we've been doing this now for, this is the sixth week. And just as a little review, Habakkuk is a prophet in the Old Testament. And he sees the evil in the world. He sees the evil in his own people, the Jews. And he sees them in other people. And he cries out to God and says, why don't you do something about this mess? And God said, I am. I'm going to do something. And he says he's going to send these, this group of people, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, essentially, and they're going to invade and cause great catastrophe for the Jews. And, and then Habakkuk says, but God, they're they're a terrible people. They're more evil than the Jews. How could you do that? And he says, well, I've got a plan for them too. I've got a plan. And so Habakkuk has to learn that God is in control of the world and gets to do what he wants to do. So we've been going through this, and in this entire series, you've noticed that there's a subtitle that we've had. Beneath Habakkuk, a journey from doubt to faith. And so today I'm going to finish up with the last chapter of the book of Habakkuk. And I'm going to talk about that journey, the journey from doubt to faith. You'll notice that uh, Dan Dunnick did a great job on the bumper there and and he has, he starts out with this picture of a fist raised against God, this doubt, this frustration with God and slowly he begins to surrender and the hand opens until finally it's an open hand of praise where Habakkuk learns to live by faith. And so we're going to talk about that journey today. We're going to finish up with the last chapter. But before we go any further, let's let's turn our attention right to Jesus, the one for whom we gather. So you bow your heads and pray with me. Lord Jesus, you are so faithful. And when we place our faith in you, it is never in vain. I pray for those who have come here today who have yet to place their faith in you, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, They will come to believe and trust in you today. For those who are here who have faith, but perhaps it's weak or faltering, that you will increase their faith and strengthen their faith today. We pray that today doubt will become faith. I ask for the active presence of your Holy Spirit as we gather in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen so like I said we've been working through the book of Habakkuk and Steve started us out for the first three Sundays and Steve looked mostly at the first chapter and he discussed how Habakkuk saw evil in the world and questioned God's actions or inactions and as a result Habakkuk will learn he has this conversation with God that indeed God is not indifferent to evil but he will deal with it in his own way in his own time. And Steve talked about how prayer works, and that sometimes we just have to trust God with the right answer, and that he is answering in his own way and his own time. And then the last two Sundays, Chad's come up, and he's preached about some of the major themes in the book of Habakkuk. And he talked about two particular things. He talked about discipline and wrath, and he said that if you're a believer in God, but you have fallen into a life which is displeasing to God and you're not becoming like Christ, then you can anticipate godly discipline to bring you back into the fold. And if, indeed, you're living indifferent to God or any or open rebellion to Him, God will not be mocked. And there's a place for those who choose to stay away from God. And that place is something we call Hell. And so today, we're going to continue on with that theme, and we're going to ask the same question that Chad left you with last Sunday, a question you were supposed to take out and talk to other people about and ponder on and pray about. Are you ready? Are you ready if today was the day where your life ended? Are you ready for Christ? So let's turn to our Bibles. Now... This last chapter of Habakkuk, chapter 3, it's kind of strange writing. It sounds weird to us because what it is, is it's a song. It's a prayer in song form, but it's actually kind of a poem. So it's very poetic. And, and I'm not going to read all the way through it, but I'm just going to kind of hit some of the highlights here and try and paraphrase or explain it in my own words. It starts out this way. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in the years gone by. And in your anger, remember mercy. Habakkuk thinks back and he knows that the Chaldeans, the Babylonians are coming. And he knows that he worships a a, a merciful God. And so he knows that God is not happy with the Jewish people, but he asks God to have mercy. He'll then go on to talk in, in very poetic imagery about how God came to rescue the Jews in Egypt, how he came from the east, came into Egypt and rescued them, that he brought the plagues against the Egyptian people, that he brought down the Pharaoh, that he destroyed the Egyptian army as they chased after them. And Habakkuk's trying to remind God of these things because he honors God for them. He understands how powerful God is. He even talks about mountains as being the foundation of the earth. The Jews believed that the the world was actually built on the mountains and that the mountains cannot stand against God. And so he talks about all this imagery. and You can read it for yourself. But what I want to really focus on is when it changes. After talking about how powerful God is and how all the world stands before him and cannot stop him from doing whatever he wants. He then begins to talk about the result of this invasion. So let's jump to verse 17. And it begins this way. And I want you to focus on these two words. Two very powerful words. Even though the fig tree has no blossoms and there are no grapes on the vines, even though the olive crop fails and the fields lie empty and barren, even though the flocks die in the fields and the cattle barns are empty, yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Habakkuk is saying this. He's saying, even though everything falls apart, I'm going to worship you, God. Even though it's dark and I don't get it and I don't know how this is going to work out, I'm going to worship you, God. It's a very powerful thing to understand how his journey has moved from this fist against God and I don't like what you're doing to... Even though I don't understand it, I'm going to worship you. And then he goes on to say in verse 19, The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. Sure-footed, meaning he can step, he can continue on his life confidently knowing where he's going. He uses the image of a deer because everybody knows nothing runs like a deer. I I couldn't miss the opportunity. Okay. Because deers are sure-footed. I want you to think about that. Even though. I want to pause and just look at those words. You see, I think in the life of believers, there are many even though moments. Times when... Life is hard, and it doesn't make any sense. And yet, we have this opportunity to worship God. One of the most powerful stories I know is, is a, uh, a young man who was a student of mine. Uh, he later became a friend, his name is Shane. And in uh, May of 2002, he was driving behind his wife and his two young boys on the way to a, a restaurant to eat out. And, uh, She was in a terrible car accident. And he went up to the accident and she died in his arms. His two boys were badly hurt and and they were rushed to the hospital. And as he was going into the hospital, he looked up at heaven and he said, I'm not going to turn my back on you. That's an even though moment. Even though my wife has died and my boys are badly, badly hurt. And I don't know how this is going to turn out. He tells God, I'm not going to turn my back on you. Many of us have those kinds of moments in our lives. For some of us, maybe that even moment was when you lost your job. A young man came up to me after the first service and he said, you know, I decided I was going to start tithing. And as soon as I did, I, I found out I was going to be laid off. I was going to lose my job. And I said, I'm not going to stop. I'm I'm not going to give up on God. I don't understand how this will work out. He told me that Monday he starts a new job making 40% more than what he was making before. His even though moment. Yeah. His even though moment. He held on to God. Maybe for you, it, it was when you found out you had cancer. Maybe for you, your even though moment was when you lost a spouse or a parent for me, I had an even though moment, and it sounds strange, but I had a, a little cat, and, and the cat was named Arthur because if I'd ever had a son, I was going to name my son Arthur. And for 15 years, he was always there with me, slept with me, walked with me. When I went through a divorce, he was, he was there the whole time. And, uh, you know, when I'd come home every, every day, he would run down the stairs crying and calling for me. And then he died. For a few days, I was really angry with God. I was, felt guilty. I felt like God didn't care. The only friend I had in the world. I was totally alone, I thought. And then it came. I was listening to a song on the radio and I just found myself worshiping. Even though I've lost him, I'm still going to hold on to you. In your bulletin, there's a place where for you to write your even though moment for me. And I'm asking you to share that with me. Because you see, I think it's a measurement of the temperature of our spiritual health when we have these even though moments. I think it tells us, because you see, it's at these moments that we have the greatest opportunity to worship God when life is hard and doesn't make any sense. And yet we hold on to him. Those even though moments are powerful. And so if you would, if you take a moment today and and write that down, put it in the offering box on your way out, or you can email me. I'd like to know them. I'd like to pray about them. I'd like to know you better. Because I'm sure in this room, there are many even though moments. When I look out at you, I see some of you, and I know what your even though moment was. You see, Habakkuk starts out Telling God how to run the world, but now he 's completely changed. He's changed into a man who can trust God. The song of Habakkuk in this final chapter is a sign of faith, and that 's what I want to spend some time on today is talking about faith. Faith is about trust. Faith is trusting in something, trusting in somebody. See. It's not knowing something. Faith is not knowing what's going on. You know, if, you ever, if any of you are sports fans, you probably have watched a football game or a basketball game, and there's always that post-game analysis where the guys or gals who are doing the post-game analysis have, have seen the game, you know, and, and, and they know what's going on, and they know what's happened, and, and you know, they say things like, well, instead of passing, he should have run. Well, yeah, you know that because he got intercepted. But you're not out there. Faith is not about knowing what happened. Faith is about moving forward, not knowing what's going on. Faith is trusting in somebody or something. Right now, we're all facing things in our lives. We don't know how things are going to work out. You don't know how your marriage might work out. You don't know how your job might work out or school might work out. We all live in a place where we have to trust God with it. You know, there's a lot of things in my life I don't know how it's going to work out. You know, I don't know how a lot of things are going to happen. I, I, I don't know. My sister has cancer, and she's doing better. But I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, my dog got a ticket for barking. <laughs> I was gone. I was on vacation, and you got a ticket. I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, you just don't know everything. You know, there are a few things I know for sure in my life. I know for sure I'm going to go to Costco. Because <laughs> my wife Donna likes Costco. And I love Donna, so I know we're going to go to Costco. And, and we've got dogs that eat a lot of dog food so they can bark, evidently. <clears throat> so I'm going to go to Costco. But short of that, I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm in there with you. I know that faith is difficult. In our lives, there are threats even. When I say the words like Paris or Berlin, London, 9-11, they bring up images that remind us that we live in a dangerous world. But these things don't wake us up every morning. What we wake up to though are are things like jobs and marriages and sickness, things that are real issues, our children, how they're gonna turn out, what's going to happen. These are real important things. And maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe things are bad. And maybe you feel like God is distant and indifferent and cold. God is a good God. And I believe you can trust Him. For me, a perfect story about faith came when I was a, a Boy Scout. I was a, a young scout, and Scouting taught me a lot of things. It was a good thing, it taught me a lot of values. And one of the things in Boy Scouts is called the Order of the Arrow. Uh, Not everyone gets into the Order of the Arrow. It's It's an organization that's made up of honored campers. So you get nominated, but then before you get in, you have to go through what's called the ordeal. And the ordeal takes place over a weekend. And during the ordeal, for three days, you don't talk, you can't say anything. You have to do physical labor, you have to do service for the camp, you have to clean it up and build things. Um, <clears throat> you have to go with basically no foods provided. And I don't know what it's like today, but uh, you would go and have to spend the night alone. And so the night of the ordeal, we were, we're gonna go out and spend the night all by ourselves. And, uh, and so the camp director said to us before we left, he said, listen, might rain tonight okay but don't worry about it i already talked to the airport and they said that there won't be any serious storms anything you should be worried about so we went out and and i built a little lean to a little shelter uh, that i thought would protect me from the rain next to a tree and uh, sure enough got dark a couple hours went by started to rain and then i thought i heard thunder and knowing the dangers of lightning, even though I didn't see any lightning, I thought it would be wise to move away from the tree. So I went and took my poncho and went down to a, a clearing away from the trees and kind of laid down there and covered my, my, my poncho as it rained. And it got harder and harder rain, and it was pouring. And then I started to hear the sound of somebody running on the wet grass. And it was another scout, and, and he had made a break for it and was running through the, the grass, through the clearing, and heading back to the base camp. And then there was another, and then another, and another, as the boys just kept panicking. And I don't know for sure if it was fear of lightning or if they were just uncomfortable with the pouring rain, but soon as the steady stream of of boys breaking for it. And I was tempted to break, but I held on to my faith that this camp director would maybe let us be uncomfortable, maybe even let us have hunger pains, but he would not put us in an unsafe position. And so sure enough, after a little while, the rain stopped and cleared up. And in the morning, they came and got us, and only seven out of the 30-some scouts who had gone out that evening had actually stayed the entire night. Now, you might ask the question, were were we better or dumber than the other ones? I don't know. But I know this. We had something. The seven of us that stayed had something. We had faith. We had faith in the camp director. We trusted him. We trusted that what he had told us was true. And so when you have faith, it can lead to hope. And we knew he would make it through. In fact, throughout the Bible, faith and hope are interconnected. As you have faith, faith is, is as to hope as a mother is to a child. It gives birth to hope. Faith brings you into a hope of things. In fact, the Bible connects it many times. One time it does that is in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is not about, I know this. I've got control. Faith is about, I don't know this. It's a dark, stormy night of the ordeal, and I don't know how this is going to work out. Habakkuk, I don't know how this is all going to work out with the Chaldeans coming, but... I choose to continue. I choose to remain faithful. The message is a translation of the Bible that we don't often use because it's kind of a paraphrase. It's not a word for word translation. But I like the way it puts this particular verse. Again, back to Hebrews 11, and I'll read through the message. Fundamental fact of existence is this trust in God. This faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Faith becomes the foundation that gets us through the night, that gets us through light. Faith is, it's dark, and I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God is good, and I know he'll get me through it. Faith is not sight. Faith is the lights have gone out in the room. Faith is the dark, stormy night. Ultimately, faith is trusting in something or someone. Now, what you have faith in is critical. It's very important. Let me tell you a story. Let's suppose I I go out fishing, and I go on a boat on Lake Erie with a friend. and, And I fall overboard, and I say to my friend, hey, throw me something that'll save me. And my friend says, well, I got this life preserver. And I got this, weight. which do you want? I might get a new friend, but (laughs) nevertheless, which will save me? Only the life preserver. See, a lot of us put our faith in things that won't save us. I'm not just talking about other religions. Even Christians do this. Christians will put their faith in things like baptism, or communion, and say, baptism and communion will save me. Or they'll put their faith in good deeds. I gave money to the poor. That'll save me. Or they'll put their faith in morality. I'm a good person. I follow the Ten Commandments. That'll save me. But none of those things save you. Only Jesus can save you. Communion, baptism, when they come out of faith, are pleasing to God. Good deeds, when they come out of faith, are pleasing to God. Morality, when it comes from faith, is pleasing to God. But faith in Jesus Christ, who died upon the cross for our sin, is what saved you. No amount of good deeds, no amount of good works, no amount of morality, no amount of of baptism or communion will save you. These are all good things. And when they're done from faith, they please God, but they don't save. Chad, last Sunday, spent a great deal of time explaining the gospel, the good news. That as sinners, Jesus went, came and died for us and rose from the grave. And that he took upon himself the sin of all the world. He took the sin of you if you're a believer. And when he died, that's paid for that's the only way to be saved. That's what saves you. No amount of work gets you to heaven. The only thing that gets you to heaven is belief in Christ, in that faith. So, back to Dad's question. The question he asked last week. Do you know? Do you know? Are you sure? The book of Hebrews also tells us about the story of faith in a man named Noah. In Hebrews 11, verse 7, it says, By faith, Noah built a ship in the middle of dry land. He was warned about something he couldn't see and acted on what he was told. The result? His family was saved. His act of faith drew a sharp line between the evil of the unbelieving world and the rightness of the believing world as a result noah became intimate with god folks there came a day when god was just fed up with us he looked down at earth and he and he saw that every inclination of man's heart was to do evil so he says i'm done with this And he brought a flood upon the earth And the only survivors were Noah and his family. What saved them was their faith. It's going to happen again. I don't know when, but there will be another day when God deals with all the evil and wickedness in the world. The Bible tells us, and Chad mentioned it last Sunday, That the glory of the Lord will be known throughout the world. There will come a time where every nation and every tongue knows about Jesus, knows God. And at that point, at that point, he will deal with it. And only those who have faith will be saved. If you don't have faith, then you will be destroyed by fire. The world will be destroyed by fire. Not by flood this time, but by fire all the rebellion and wickedness in the world will be dealt with. So, what about you? Are you ready? We're going to close. We're going to have two things happen. Two ways to respond. You see, we're going to share communion. Communion. While communion doesn't save us, it reminds us that we're saved. If you're a believer or you're part of our faith community and you're just visiting today but you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you then feel free to join us. The band will play a song I'll pray. You can Come up and break off a piece of bread take a glass of juice, go back to your seat and remember the bread reminds us that Christ's body was broken for you. And the juice reminds us that his blood was poured out for you. It's your faith that's being renewed. It's being strengthened. I have never taken communion and not felt closer to Christ. He prescribed this. He said, do this to remember me because he knew the power of this meal. He knew what it would do with us. So if you're a believer, join us with this. Well, what if today, for the first time, you're ready to trust God with your life? And come down and pray with us. If you don't want to do it in here, that's fine. You can go, and there's a prayer room or people down the hallway. You can go there, pray with them. They can walk you through it. It's important, though. The most important question that you need to answer in your life is are you ready? Every human being needs to answer that question. And if the answer is not yes, then tell somebody. Work with them. Walk with them. Sometimes people will write on their communication card, I'd like to talk with a pastor or elder, and and we try to get hold of them, and and we never get a call back. Listen, the most important call you can make is to call us back. And and if you didn't get a call, call us. We want to talk to you. It's important. It's the most important thing. You see, God wants us to trust him. He wants us to trust him with our lives, trust him with our finances, trust him with our families, trust him with our children, trust him with our jobs, trust him with our educations, and trust him with our deaths. So if you don't trust him with your death, you have some work to do. So I'm going to pray, The band will come out, we'll share communion, this Lord's Supper, this way we remember Jesus and and restore and strengthen our faith. And if today you've decided, I believe, something's stirring in me, then come down and talk to us. If you don't feel comfortable here, go go to the prayer room and, and they'll pray with you and talk to you. You don't get saved by walking down here. You get saved because of what Christ did in you. But by making a move, by sharing that with other people, it affirms and strengthens that in your life. It testifies to the world that God is at work. So if you'll bow your heads and we'll pray. And then we'll share this moment. Heavenly Father, We thank you that uh, you've given us this way to remember Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity of sharing our faith and sharing our stories. Lord, um, I know in this room there are many people who maybe even this day are having an even though moment where they've got to make this decision to continue to worship you and to rejoice in you even though things are bad thank you for being a good God. I thank you for being a powerful God. I thank you that you will not be mocked. I thank you for sending Jesus. Lord, as we remember this moment, as we share this Holy Communion, let it strengthen our relationships as a family, as a family of God. And in all things, Lord, may we bring you glory and honor that you are truly deserving of. And It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.